Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death construction In the fields of bodies burning Machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning their brainwashed mind Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow, Slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national and international events. This to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Here we are, the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast on the Community Radio Network. Welcome to all our listeners in every corner of this great n- continent. I was going to say nation, but that's an oxymoron to call it a great nation. It's a great continent that's right welcome to our listeners on the world wide web wherever you may find yourself whether you're on uranus or mars or the moon we accept you as a fellow listener now unfortunately one of our regular listeners uh, mr peter stanicki from uh, melbourne who's been listening to the anarchist world this week and his various guises over the last 39 years uh, died unexpectedly on last friday and uh, peter was a, a great contributor to uh, community radio. He was an activist. He did what he could. He uh, assisted financially, so I'd like to extend uh, my uh, sympathies to his uh, family and uh, his many friends across the city of Melbourne. So uh, rest in peace, Peter Stanicki. Now, today's going to be an interesting program, not because of anything I've got to say, but because of what's happening in the real world, not the virtual world in this little box I'm in. Now, I'd like to start off with what else but an appeal. Now, as you know, I'm the convener of the West Papua Independence Movement Rent Collective. And for the last two years, the... Federal Republic of West Papua has had an office in Docklands for two years. And on the 3rd of April, Sunday the 3rd of April, if you find yourself in the city of Melbourne, there's a celebration, a birthday party at 1pm on Sunday the 3rd of April at Suite 211, 838 Collins Street, Docklands. Just go down the side laneway and bingo, it's there and obviously you're all welcome. There will be food provided, but we encourage you to bring extra food and drinks to the communal table. Now, there's a number of guest speakers. But I think the important thing to remember is West Papua is less than 200 kilometres from Australia. And over the last 60 years, the people of West Papua have been in the midst of an independence struggle which has directly and indirectly led to the death of over half a million people in a province of Indonesia 
in inverted commas, which has less than 2 million people. And things have been particularly difficult for West Papuans. And there is a small band of refugees, not just in Australia, but around the world, who are doing what they can, liaison with, liaisoning with people directly in West Papua, to keep the dream of West Papuan independence alive. Don't forget that 20 years ago, everybody thought that the chances of uh, East Timor or Timor-Leste gaining independence were nil. And uh, the West Papuans find themselves in that situation. But they have the strength, they have the experience you know, to overcome 60 years of domination and 400 years of colonisation. And I'm quite confident they will regain their independence. Now, the West Papuan office plays a pivotal role in the international West Papuan movement for independence. It is the only office the West Papuan independence movement has anywhere on this planet. And the important thing about the office is it's funded by ordinary Australians, pensioners, workers, people who are interested in justice. And the Rent Collective is a very simple concept. It's about people who are interested in supporting the West Papua independence struggle, providing a small amount of money, a dollar a day, to help pay for an office in the Melbourne CBD which the West Papuan Movement staffs on a voluntary basis from 9am to 5pm, Monday to Friday, and obviously uses it on the weekend on many occasions for various activities they're involved in. Now, after two years, we find ourselves in a particularly difficult situation. We are signing a new 12-month lease with a 12-month option in April, but we need at least... 10 new members for the Rent Collective. Now you need to understand the West Papua Independence Movement are the orphans. The orphans of independence struggle. Nobody is interested. Nobody in government or opposition is interested. And even the uh, lukewarm support that comes from the Australian Greens is uh, minimal. So if you want to see a little bit of justice and you want to see your money go somewhere where it's going to be effective, where every dollar which is raised is actually used to pay for the rent. It's used for no other purposes. Where every member, staff in the office, is a West Papuan volunteer who volunteer their time. Well, this is a great opportunity to actually be involved. And I give a personal guarantee that every dollar goes towards the rent. Now, if you want to join the West Papuan Rent Collective, you can go to the Anarchist Media Institute website, anarchistmedia.org, and get all the information. Or you can ring me up on 0439 395 489. You can email me at anarchistage at yahoo.com. And if you want to look before you buy, pop down to the West Papuan office at 838 Collins Street in Dockland, Suite 211. If you're in the city, you're bored, you're listless, you need a free cup of tea, a bit of a conversation, you want to find out what's going on, pop in. And if you want to let them know you're coming, 
The phone to ring is 903 9049 If you want to look at all the things they're doing, go to the website, DFAT, D-F-A-I-T dot Federal Republic of West Papua dot org. DFAT, D-F-A-I-T dot Federal Republic of West Papua dot org. And now for the all-important information, what will it cost you? Two pizzas a month, packet of cigarettes, six, what, six cappuccinos. It's a dollar a day, a dollar a day. You can pay the total amount of $360 put into the account or you can deposit $30 a month. If you can't afford a dollar a day, get a group of your friends, get five people together. Form a little sub-collective. That's 20 cents each. I'm sure you can find 20 cents. I mean, this is an important uh, project we initiated and have been involved in and continue to be involved in. We are not there to tell the West Papuans how to run their independence struggle. We are basically there to provide the infrastructure which allows them to run their independence struggle in the most effective way possible. Now, you can donate anonymously. You can go into any Commonwealth bank and put your money anonymously into that account or you can use internet banking, cheques, whatever it is. As long as it's money, it's welcome. We don't take cups of coffee, all right? Don't take cups of coffee. So if you're thinking you've got a little bit of disposable income, we've got a few friends and you want to do something, something, this is one thing that I recommend you get involved in. Now, we have three gatherings a year at the office to see uh, what's going on. It's a, a great uh, afternoon. It's usually on a Sunday, and the next gathering is at 1pm on Sunday the 3rd of April, which isn't far, and there are two guest speakers. There's a, a Robert Stringer. He's a Uniting Church minister and social activist who's reporting back on his six-week trip to West Papua, and there's Dr Jacob Rumbiak, the Federal Republic of West Papua Minister of Foreign Affairs, and he'll be reporting on the 2016 agenda for the independence movement and especially for the office. Because obviously these are refugees, many of them have been tortured, many of them have spent years in prison, who when they come to this country aren't here to make a buck. They're not aspirational migrants who want a two-storey house and a Lamborghini in the driveway. These are down-to-earth men and women who's suffered horribly in many, many circumstances, who continue to fight for the establishment of a Federal Republic of West Papua. And the slogan is, One People, One Soul. So this is a great way that for a very small amount of money you can get up the nose of the Liberal National Party, up the nose of the Australian Labor Party, up the nose of ASIO, up the nose of many. And I must report that our friends are becoming under increasing scrutiny and increasing pressure because the West Papuan office is having major successes. And if you want to learn about those successes, um, Jacob will obviously speak about them on the 3rd of April. But it's having major success. There's more and more pressure. We've now got the ridiculous situation in this country where the Australian government allows the Indonesian government to spy on Australian soil use its own people, from you know, its own spies to actually spy on the activities of the West Papuan activists. 
We have the Australian government and the Indonesian government working hand in hand to put pressure on the, you know, on the few hundred West Papuan activists who live in this country. Because as I said before, these are not people who just basically come here for a better life, a bigger car, a three-bedroom house. These are people who have come here who have fled, in many cases, with the clothes on their back, who when they come here, they don't forget where they come from and what they're here for and continue to be involved in the struggle for West Papua independence and then find themselves being pressured, not just by the Australian government, but the Indonesian government on Australian soil, on Australian soil. We've got this country security agencies allowing Indonesian security organisations to actually harass activists, many of them who have got residency in this country, on Australian soil. And they talk about sovereign rights and sovereign borders. Isn't it about time, you know, there a little bit of the Indonesian ambassador was called in for a little bit of an explanation about what his security people are doing spying on Australian residents and citizens. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. Now, Mr Morrison and I have a lot in common, the Federal Treasurer. We have a lot in common. We all believe. We believe in the Easter Bunny, Santa Claus and the Tooth Fairy. Because I was listening to Mr Morrison talk about company tax cuts and I almost laughed. Well, I did laugh out loud. He talked about the trickle-down effect. And this is how it goes. This is how it goes. You give large corporations who pay no taxation a tax cut and they will reinvest the money in the country and employ more Australians. <laughs> Mr Morrison, genius, genius, believes in the tooth fairy, Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny. Hopefully the Easter Bunny will bring him an Easter egg this weekend. What a genius. What a lot of crap. What happens is when you have a cut in the company tax rate, it basically goes to the shareholders if it's a publicly listed company or the board or the CEO. Doesn't Or it's sent back to its parent company. The profit is sent back to its parent company because corporations have one responsibility. Only one responsibility, and let's not forget that. Let's not use the word, you know, ethically responsible corporations. They have one responsibility, and that's to create ever-increasing profits for their major shareholders, irrespective of the human, social, environmental and national costs. These are transnational corporations. They don't give a shit what happens in this country and what happens to Australians as long as they can get their pound of flesh. And those of you who are wringing your hands about the fact that uh, corporate Australia pays voluntary taxation and in many instances like Mr Rupert Murdoch gets an $886 million tax refund in 2013 for fiddling, you know, for a... Legally, of course, you know, for uh, pushing around a few figures on a piece of paper, you begin to understand the extent of the problem. And when you hear about you know, privately listed companies, these are companies that are owned by individuals or families, again, not paying taxation like corporate 
publicly listed companies, you begin to understand that this country has a real problem, a huge problem. And the important thing we need to remember, these people do it legally. L-E-G-A-L-L-Y. In the majority of cases, what they are doing is totally legal. It may be ethically and morally questionable, but it's legal. Because in this country, our political representatives don't have the backbone to introduce and debate legislation in Parliament which would resolve the Medicare crisis, the public education crisis, the public infrastructure crisis, the renewable energy crisis that we face on a daily basis in this country. Very simple. Now, I'm a simple person. I'm no genius, and neither are our listeners, all right? We're simple people. We think it's not complex. If you've got one third of the country not pulling their fair weight, if you've got the forty percent, the 1% of Australians who own 40% of this country's wealth not paying taxation, obviously, obviously, there's not going to be enough in the till at the end of the day to provide for the public at large. I know that. You know that. So when you join the dots, it's very simple. When you're on a new start allowance and you receive your miserable $224 a week, I could be wrong, could be $226 a week, and you're expected to live on that, and you're told you're a rorter, and you've got to jump through so many hoops to get that crappy $224 a week, just remember, the new start allowance is so low that it puts people in perpetual poverty because these parasites legally don't pay tax. When your grandmother needs a hip replacement and is put on the public waiting list and is left to, you know, in pain for a year or two or even maybe three years before she can have that hip replacement, remember, the people who are directly responsible for that state of affairs as that section of the population, the one percenters, who own 40% of the wealth, who legally don't pay any tax. And when you go to the ballot box, if you go to the ballot box on the 2nd of July, and it will be a 2nd of July double disillusion election, when you go to the ballot box, just remember, what are the policies that are being elucidated by your so-called representatives? And if you look at the taxation reform agenda, it's disappeared. It's all too hard because, you see, these people own the corporate media. They set the daily agenda. They're all too powerful, we're told, because political parties rely on their assistance in order to be re-elected, not just in monetary terms, but in terms of creating a climate of fear, creating a climate which pushes people into voting in a certain direction and not allowing anybody else to actually explain anything. As I said before, you're not looking at a genius here, simple man.
simple man, simple ideas. All right, let's look at the problem. Current taxation laws are inadequate. These people can pay smart lawyers and smart accountants to legally minimise their tax to nothing. So they're bludgers. They're 24-carat leaners and bludgers. They are doing nothing for the community. Let's look at a few ways via which we can actually raise enough funds from the corporate sector to ensure that we have a viable social security net, that we have enough public housing, that we have a viable Medicare system, public health system, that we have a viable public education system, that we can actually build a little bit of public infrastructure and maybe even create a new people's bank or even a renewable energy facilities which are publicly owned, you know, to try at least meet the current climate emergency. few simple ideas. And these ideas don't need a revolution. They just need legislation through Parliament. Very simple ideas. And I can raise, in the next five minutes, I am going to raise... $155 billion every year, which is an increase of 30% on the $450 billion budget which we currently have. An increase, we increase the budget from $450 billion to $600 billion by introducing four simple pieces of legislation which will ensure that corporate Australia will pay their fair share of tax. One, and these ideas you've heard on this program before, but I'm going to bring them all together. One, a 1% stock market turnover tax. You buy a share, you sell a share, you pay 1% tax. And if you come bleeding to me and you say, Oh, Joe! Well, you can't do that to me. It's going to affect my superannuation. Look, mate, you lose that much in one day as the stock market goes up and down. A 1% stock market turnover tax in this country would raise anywhere between 25 to $30 billion per year. A small contribution to make. A small contribution to make. We could have a 1%, we're not talking about 10% or 100%, but a 1% turnover tax for corporations and companies and businesses and individuals that turn over more than $5 million per year. You can raise another 25 to $30 billion per year by introducing a 1% turnover tax. That's already $60 billion. $60 billion we've raised. Bingo, bingo. Legislation passed in the Senate, passed in the House of Reps. Done. Everything's computerised as far as the corporate world is concerned. You can't hide your turnover. You can't hide the fact that you've bought or sold a share, you know, a share on the stock market. It's there. You can't Run away from that responsibility. It is a tax. It's like a tax stamp duty on purchasing a home. Same concept, but instead of being 7 8%, 1%, a miserable 1%.
then you could have a 1% financial services tax on any financial transaction of over $50,000, excluding the family home. You could raise another $50 billion from 1% financial transaction tax. Another $50 billion. And if, you know, you want to pay more than $50,000 for a car, you can pay 1% above that. End of story. We've already got $110 billion. Three simple pieces of legislation. You can't escape it. Unless you're in part of the black economy and you're not going to be carrying, unless you're a drug dealer, you're not going to be carrying, well, maybe they are, you're not going to be carrying suitcases of cash from place to place. Simple. And the fourth one, so deceptively simple. Now, when you go out there and you pay your electricity bill and your gas bill and your supermarket bill, there's a 10% GST, ka-ching, on that bill. And that GST is basically there to, you know, help you pay for uh, state-based services. That's what we're told. But do you know that if you run a business, you claim that GST as a tax deduction? That's right. It's a tax deduction. But if you buy your groceries, that's not a tax deduction. If you pay your electricity bill, that's not a tax deduction. If you pay your gas bill, that's not a tax deduction. But if you've got a business, it's a tax deduction. So corporate Australia especially does not pay GST in this country. They claim it as a tax deduction. So no wonder everybody wants to increase the GST, especially corporate Australia, because it doesn't have an effect on them, any major effect on them. So why couldn't we pass a simple law to say, simple law, that if your business or company has a turnover of more than $5 million, you cannot claim your GST as a tax deduction. Bingo! Another 50 to $60 billion every year. How wonderful. I've solved the problems of Australia. We now have an adequately well-funded Medicare system, a well-funded public education sector, money for public infrastructure, money to set up publicly owned renewable energy facilities across this country so we can close down the major polluters tomorrow. And not only is there money for all these things, which is no money at the minute because corporate Australia doesn't pay any tax, it allows the 5 million small businesses that employ 8 million Australians in this country to actually compete against corporate Australia on a level playing field. How, if you're in small business, how can you compete against a large corporation which pays minimal if, or no taxation legally? You can't. 
And that's why we've seen the corporatisation of Australia over the last two decades. And that means in black and white that when you pay, you buy your petrol, you buy it from two or three firms. When you buy your groceries, you buy it from two or three firms. When you go to the bank, you're involved in transactions with four or five major corporations. The list goes on and on. That's what corporatisation is all about. Simple. Now, if I can come up with these ideas, and I can assure you none of them are original, you're lucky in a life to have one original idea. These are all ideas that have been floating around for ages. If we put them together in a package, we can resolve the problem. And you don't need blood in the streets. You don't need a revolution. You don't need you know, massive protests. All you need is senators and House of Representatives uh, people with a backbone. That's all you need. They need to have a backbone. You don't need anything else. I mean, they'll say, people say, oh, that's simplistic, Joe, that's too simple. Well, it's very simple. Accountancy is very simple. If you spend more than you earn you got problems. If there are four people in a household and only two are working and the others are bludging, although they can work, and they want to share, well, then you got a problem. All right? And that's what we are. We're in a household where some rather corpulent corporations are basically sitting in front of the fridge stuffing their mouths full of the common wealth and saying, up yours, baby, up yours. That's what they're saying to the Australian people. And then, to big note themselves, they become philanthropic. You know, philanthropic, you like that? Philanthropic. They look after kitties with cancer or set up research institutes with their name on them. If they paid their bloody tax, we wouldn't need these so-called philanthropic you know, organisations. You know what philanthropy is about? It's about picking and choosing who are the deserving poor. Who do I think are the deserving poor if I'm a philanthropist? Where will I put my gains? They all pay tax. We wouldn't need bloody philanthropists and everybody would be in a similar situation. I mean, this is ridiculous. This is a ridiculous program today, the anarchist world this week. Here you've got an anarchist, a man who believes in creating a society without rulers, who wants to break down hierarchy, telling the Australian people and the government of the day and the opposition how to resolve the current issues within the current constitutional framework. I shouldn't be doing that. Public intellectuals should be doing that. But we don't have any public intellectuals anymore because all the university intellectuals have confidality, have agreements, all right, which shuts them up, zips up their mouth, and if they open their mouths, they lose their job. Confidentiality agreements goes on and on. All right, listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. My name is Joseph Scarum, hosting today's program. 
Uh, you want to learn more about anarchism, more about what we're doing? Go to the website, anarchismedia.org. Want to become a member of the West Papuan uh, Ren Collective? Look at the website, download the material, walk into a Commonwealth bank, plank your $30 into the account. Very simple. Easy. Give us a call. Give us a call if you need some help. 0439 395 489. Now, on Wednesday, the 6th of April, we're going to make a major announcement on this program, and I'm going to need a lot of help, a lot of help from a lot of people. That's all I'm saying, because I'm sick of this. I am sick of this. I am sick of talking about the same thing week after week and seeing our so-called elected representatives run away from the real issues on a daily basis. I mean, I'm entering the death zone. I'll be 65 soon. And when you're 65, you're in the death zone. It's that simple. I mean, how many people do you know that are 90? Not very many. And I'm getting sick of this, you know, talking about this to people and seeing their eyes glaze over or saying, oh, I'm too old to help, I'm too young to help, I can't do anything, I've got responsibilities. Well, we all bloody well got responsibilities. How do you think we would find ourselves in the current situation if our parents and grandparents who had much tougher lives than we lead today would have said to us, well, I can't be politically active or socially active because I've got responsibilities? Eh? I've got to spend three hours a day surfing the net, looking at the YouTube, trying to form a new you know, sexual liaison on the net, or I've got to spend a few hours a day twittering away on my Twitter account. Come on, grow up. Now, in case there is somebody listening who's interested, on the 1st of April, yes, April Fool's Day, it is unfortunate, on the 1st of April is a Friday. It's the first Friday of the month. And public interest before corporate interests meets in Federation Square at 4.30pm. Now, I know a few people got lost last time. There was wind and rain and stuff. Now, we actually meet. Federation Square is a big place. We actually meet near the corner of Flinders Street and St Kilda Road, opposite the entrance to the Flinders Street station, where the big kind of ticket booth across the road from St Paul's Cathedral is there. We meet next to that. And from there, we will march, walk, hop, skip, jump to one of the 24-carat tax, one of the 24-carat leaners' uh, corporate offices in the Melbourne CBD to show our disgust with their behaviour. Look, we may get our usual 10 or 20 or 30 or 40 or 50, but nothing's going to change until the streets of every major city and every town in this country are gridlocked by people who say enough is enough. I mean, you can wait till the next election, cast your ballot for the usual suspects and get the same answers, or you can actually push the political debate by mobilising in the streets in an exceptionally peaceful manner. Because what the state loves, because it justifies its existence, is violence. It can deal with violence. It has the infrastructure and legal framework to deal with violent behaviour. 
but it doesn't have the moral framework or even the intellectual framework, let alone the legal framework, to deal with millions of angry, peaceful people who are basically saying enough is enough. As I said before, the only way you'll get those four pieces of legislation through Parliament is when your political representatives fear you as a group more than they fear that small section of society that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication. So think about it. There are things you can do. There are things everybody can do. And we've had people involved in the movement who are in their 90s who help. And we have people in their teens who help. But unfortunately, as far as 99.999% of the population is concerned, I think it's just a matter of complaining and waiting, complaining and waiting. Nobody gives a shit about people who complain. Nobody really cares. They don't. They don't. All they care about is when you place peaceful pressure on them for change. That's what they care about. They don't care if you're violent. They love violence. It justifies their existence. It justifies the massive amount of money that it's used for security. justifies it. But when it comes to peaceful protest, there ain't a thing they can do. They can violently disperse you, but that actually highlights the fact they've got no arguments to counter your argument. All right, let's move on. You listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. Public interest before corporate interest. We give a report every week. As the election will most likely be held on the 2nd of July, and I'll go through the reasons why, and I'll go through that and try to explain things to people. Uh, Public interest before corporate interest will not be registered as a political party. We've run out of time. We will be registered as a political party by the end of the year. So we'll be ready for state elections and the federal election after this one. But as far as this federal election is concerned, has a political organisation, public interest before corporate interest, will not be registered as a political party because it takes at least, even if you've got all your paperwork in order, it can take three to four to five months before you're registered. So, but public interest before corporate interest continues to collect new members. We have over 650 members currently. That's right, over 650 members. Public interest before corporate interest, you can go look at the website, pipsy.net. You can actually... uh, have, have a look at the uh, Facebook page, Public Interest Before Corporate Interest, and there are uh, the Frankston and the Hastings branch are very um, effective currently. They're the only two effective branches we have, although we have members across the country, mainly in Victoria, but across the country in every state we have members. Now, there will be a picnic at Hastings on the 10th of April, on Sunday the 10th of April, and there'll be another pic- picnic at Seaford, at uh, 11am on the uh, 24th of April. And this is a great way for members and supporters and interested people to get together. Now, because we won't be registered as a political party before the 2nd of July election does not mean Pipsy has gone into hibernation. Pipsy continues to look for new members. It continues to be involved in activities. It continues to be 
a viable force in this country. As I said before, we'll have an important announcement on Wednesday the 6th of April and uh, on that day we will be able to give you an idea of the political strategy which Pipsy and uh, its supporters will be using for the next federal election, for the election on the 2nd of July. Now let's go through a little lesson because a lot of people are a bit confused. What's a double dissolution election? What's the Senate? What's the House of Representatives? Because it's always been in the ruling class's interest to keep us ignorant of political processes. So how? what's going on? What is going on? People say to me, what is going on, Joe? What's happening in Canberra? What's all this about? What's all this kerfuffle about? Firstly... We had legislation go through Parliament which was designed to ensure that small political parties will never be elected into the Senate. That's the first piece of legislation. That's the first piece of the puzzle, you know, for this early double dissolution election. Now, that legislation went through on a Coalition Australian Greens uh, ticket. The Australian Greens think that getting rid of micro-parties will help them electorally. And obviously the coalition knows that getting rid of small, small parties will mean that all those small parties that have got a, a right-wing um, flavour to them, all those voters they think will now f- will flow to them. And they believe that it will give them a majority in the Senate. So what's the House of Representatives? The House of Representatives... And I think there's 124, it could be wrong, 126 seats. The nation is divided into electorates of about 100,000 people. And when a federal election comes, you vote for a member for the House of Representatives. And that member is your member, right? That's the House of Representatives. The Senate is a little bit more complex. The Senate is a House of Review. The Senate is basically a state house. When the debate was occurring regarding federation in the 1890s, because there was a move to set up a number of independent nation states on the Australian continent, New South Wales, Victoria, South Australia, West Australia, Tasmania. But so to sweeten the federation vote, the new constitution which was proposed saw the establishment of an upper house. And although electorates for the House of Representatives are almost equal, as far as the Senate is concerned, it's a state house. So if you live in Tasmania, you still have 12 senators. Six are elected at each House of Representatives election. All right? So if you've got 250,000 voters in Tasmania and you've got 12 senators, you only need about 20,000 votes to get your quota and become a senator. But if you live in a more populous state like uh, Victoria and you've got 5 million people and about 3.5 million electors, you would need at least 300,000 votes to be elected a senator for Victoria. So the larger the state, the more difficult it is for people to be elected because you need bigger amounts of people to to elect you 
So you've got 12 senators for each state. You've got two senators for the ACT and two senators for the Northern Territory. That's 72, 74, 76 senators all told. Okay? Half of the senators, 36, come up for election every three, every six years. So what that means is if you have a normal election, you'll vote for somebody for the House of Representatives, and in your state, you'll vote for six senators. Now, there is a mechanism within the Australian Constitution which allows a government, that is, the government is the political party that can actually has the numbers on the floor of the House of Representatives. There is a mechanism in the Australian Constitution which allows a government whose legislation is blocked in the Upper House, the Senate, on two separate occasions to call a double disillusion election. So what's that? What that means is both the House of Representatives, the 124 members of the House of Representatives, and the 76 senators in the Senate are up for re-election. Both the House of Representatives and the Senate is dissolved. That's why it's a double dissolution. You dissolve both of them simultaneously. And what that means is the quota that is required to elect a senator is halved from 15% to about 7.5%, which means that a senator from Tasmania could be elected with less than 15% of the vote. Okay? So that's the situation. Now, why does Malcolm Turnbull want a double disillusion election? It's very simple. Malcolm Turnbull is fighting on two fronts. He's got the real opposition, and then he's got the other opposition. Now, the real opposition is Tony Abbott and his supporters, the conservative neoliberals in the Liberal Party. Now, the Liberal Party has always been a mesh of socially conservative and radical economists, neoliberal economists. It's always been that mixed. And what Abbott has been able to do is continue to have support among the social conservatives. Now, in every state, there are currently disputes within the Liberal Party, and some of them, like in New South Wales, go deep. And there are obviously deep factional divides in the Liberal Party and Turnbull is quite concerned about the fact that his election campaign, Arad and Gillard, is going to be totally destabilised by Abbott and his faction because they don't care whether they win or lose the state election. All they care about is whether they win or lose control of the party and they believe that if Turnbull is not re-elected, they will regain control of all the state branches and be able to continue their conservative reactionary policies. Okay? Now, on the other side, obviously, you've got some pressure, increasing pressure, which is coming from the Australian Labor Party. Now, Mr Turnbull has been anointed. He's been anointed by the kingmaker. And the kingmaker was given a few billion dollars a few weeks ago. What am I talking about? Have I lost my marbles? Well, he wasn't given a million dollars like when he received the $886 million tax refund from the Australian Tax Office. 
Changes to the media ownership laws means that the Murdoch Corporation, both 21st Century Fox and News Corporation, will now be able to increase their domination of the media. Now, when Turnbull saw the passage of that legislation through the Senate, he basically was given the green light by Murdoch, right? who likes to think of himself as the kingmaker. Because you've got to remember, when Rudd was first elected opposition leader, the first thing he did was go to the United States to meet Murdoch. And when Abbott was uh, elected opposition leader, the first thing he did was go to the United States to see Murdoch. Because the thing is that because News Corporation 21st Century Fox has such a monopoly on the dissemination of information and set the political, social and cultural agenda on a daily basis, they're actually able to influence public opinion. So Murdoch's been bought off by the changes in the media ownership laws. The changes to the voting in the Senate now will almost ensure the Liberal National Party has a majority in the Senate. But there is a problem. There is one big problem, and that's you. Because I was interested in hearing a new concept by some, you know, some vaguely Murdoch-friendly um, mate in the Australian. He was talking about sensible voters. You see, now there are two types of voters in, this, in Australia. Well, there are three types. There's those who don't vote. They're very sensible. They're the very sensible voters. Then you've got the sensible voters and the idiots, all right? And if you, one of the three million people who voted for a micro party, there's about 15 million electors in this country, so about 20%, you're an idiot, okay? But if you voted for one of the major political parties, you are a sensible voter. So we've got this division now between the idiots and the sensible voters. Now, the dilemma is the three million idiots are pretty angry because they've basically been disenfranchised by the changes in the Senate voting system. So there is a good possibility, especially in the smaller states, that with a double dissolution election, we will see the election of senators who are not aligned to any of the major political parties, Green, the Australian Greens, the Australian Labor Party or the Liberal National Party. And it's quite likely that in Tasmania we'll see two or three senators, independent senators, be elected at the election on the 2nd of July. So Turnbull has taken a big gamble. So why I've gone through all this, because I think it's important that people understand the processes, because when you listen to other people or watch TV, it's all about, you know, colour, colour and action, not about the process. And I think we need to understand the process is structured in such a way as to ensure that the sensible voters always come out on top. It's a little bit like a game of darts that's been, you know, that's been uh, preordained or you've given your horse a little bit of an extra kick to win that game. So, And the important thing is now with increasing levels of dissatisfaction, especially when people have their nose rubbed into the fact that corporate Australia pays voluntary taxation and in many regards no taxation legally, people are getting angry. They may not be angry enough to ride in the streets. They may not be angry enough to actually go out and protest. They may not be angry enough to ring up talkback radio, but they're angry enough talk to their neighbours and they may be angry enough to change their votes. And despite 
Turnbull's Machiavellian events to rig the next election to ensure the Liberal National Party is re-elected with a majority in both houses of Parliament, I believe they will lose. No, 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 I don't believe, because I'm an atheist. I don't believe. I know, and I'm going to put my neck out and tell you that Turnbull will lose the next election and Abbott and his cronies will regain leadership of the Liberal Party and that'll be the end of the... It'll be the republicanisation of the Liberal Party as we've seen Trump go in the US. We'll see the same thing in here, that the Liberal National Party will become irrelevant. Thank you once again for listening to The Anarchist Will this week. Thank you for listening to my musings. Uh, we've kind of been a little bit uh, schoolmastery today. But that's the way it is. Sometimes you feel angry. Sometimes you feel like you want to educate. If you want to learn more about anarchism, anarchismedia.org. If you want to learn more about public interest before corporate interest, want to find out about their picnic, go to the webpage, uh, public interest before corporate interest, or more importantly, go to the Facebook page, public interest before corporate interest. Don't forget the West Papua and Rent Collective. These are people who need our help and deserve our help. Uh, you know, Think about your neighbours. I'm not telling you not to think about the world, but think about your neighbours. Thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station. And if you're seething, if you're angry, don't get a heart attack. Organise. If you can't organise, support the people who are organised. And if you can't support them physically, support them financially. That's what it's all about. It's about change, and change comes when you take action. That number once again... For nice messages, 0439 395 489. Now, I haven't got a, a number for bad messages, but I'm sure you'll find one. You can uh, talk to us at post office. You can write to us, not talk to us. A talking post office box, just what the world needs. I'm sure it'll happen soon. I mean, it'll be great, wouldn't it? You go to your post office box. Hello, you have seven pieces of mail. You can write to us at post office box 20, Parkville 3052. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. You can email us at anarchistage at yahoo.com. Anarchistage at yahoo.com. Go to the website, anarchistmedia.org. Anarchistmedia.org. Thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station. Listen in on your local community radio station, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. And if your radio station isn't on the community radio network, you can still hear the world, the anarchist world this week. You can get your local station to play it directly, or you can go to the podcast, 3cr.org.au. Thrill your grandkids, thrill the kids, explain to them what a double dissolution election is all about and how it's all been rigged before it happens. And you only learn this on the anarchist world this week. As I said before, thank you once again listening to the anarchist world this week on your local community radio station courtesy of this uh, the community radio network that podcast address 3cr.org.au listen to the podcast send it to your friends more importantly send it to your enemies they may learn something okay here we go the ship is about to take us the sacred cows are coming back to be fed off we go into the spaceship, and we'll be, we're going to Mars for a week, but we will be back. Minds that plot destruction, sorcerer of death's construction. An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World this week, 
Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, Lord, yeah.